Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. This is your first time listening. Thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes and uh, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it's deserving of so. And uh, clicking the write a review there, saying a few nice words. And uh, you don't have to say a lot, but uh, that is incredibly helpful in uh, boosting awareness about this show and uh, propelling it into the tops of the iTunes charts and uh, just making it more visible for, for strangers. A little more national visibility, a little more international visibility. We got a siren. I don't know if you guys can hear the siren in the background, but it was uh, it was really going for it. Um, but uh, yeah, free way to help the show. Appreciate the hell out of anyone that's already taken that next step in doing so. We're nearing the 100 mark of reviews. I think there's about 95 of them up there, which is uh, great. Like I said, appreciate the folks that have done so already. But uh, if you have a few extra minutes... Uh, super, super helpful in uh, in growing this thing. You can also check out the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel, which features a bunch of in-studio performances and live show performances. Uh, some new vids are going to hit the feed probably next week. Strange Hotels live videos from the Doug Fur. Stoked to share those with everybody. Um, those are coming at you. So you can click subscribe on the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel as well and that will keep you in the know about uh new videos that are available that have uh hit the feed it'll it'll give you a little notification there so you know what's happening and uh dancablepresents.com the central location for everything the new episode always gets uploaded there right away when it's available on Fridays um but you can you know also hit subscribe and uh and follow the podcast, and uh, that way the new episode will just download for you on Friday when it's when it's available. But uh, Dan Campbell presents uh, is the uh, the name on Instagram, and where I'm most active on social media, usually shouting out weekly uh, local shows here, especially those at the uh, the library where I book music here in Portland, just off Hawthorne and Southeast, cool basement venue, and uh, we've got some. Some great shows coming up there this weekend. Barrett Brown is playing this Friday. If you're listening on release day, Barrett Brown and his jazz quintet are uh, throwing down, or a quartet, I think. Um, But they'll be there along with Just Pretend. I have not seen Just Pretend yet, but I'm I'm stoked to see them because Kyle, who plays saxophone in uh, Tribe Mars, one of my favorite bands here, is, uh, is in Just Pretend. So... And check that out. And then Saturday night, we got Dusty the Gorilla, who is uh, members of, of David Barber and Lee Hauser, 
who came on the the podcast sometime last year to talk about their uh, jazz hip hop outfit and this is uh in that realm as well so that's uh, going to be a cool show on on saturday night as well and what else we got calendar wise may 16th this is a big show over at turn 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 that i'm throwing stoked to have uh maurice and the stiff sisters headlining this show with uh my friends and brother not brother and salt that's going to be a killer show turn 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 a thursday night banger on may 16th so uh you know come out to that if you're around Maurice and the stiff sisters fucking rips really cool band really fun band to see live so um yeah stoked to see them as always and then on may 21st we have uh, tough old bird coming through from new york i'm stoked to be hosting them over at the library a tuesday night show with uh nikolai and the celebrators and brother not brother is also playing that show so a couple opportunities to see brother not brother here coming up and uh what else i think that's all i'm gonna throw at you what do we got to go on next week next week at the library what's happening at the library i'm sorry i'm i'm tired um it's it's been a week you know it's uh, the nine to five grind this week is it's a busy one. It's Mother's Day week for all you who didn't know Mother's Day is coming up this Sunday. So happy Mother's Day to all you uh, badass moms out there. All you moms that are holding it down out there. Um, last year, I had my mom on the podcast for Mother's Day week. So tune into that episode. Have, have yourself a little throwback. It's a... Uh, it's it's one of the highlights of the uh, the podcast. It was very a lot of response to that one. It's a pretty uh, it's a pretty candid conversation, and um, much like this week's episode, which is great, we got Caitlin Convery on the show. Which uh, this was a killer chat, which I'm I'm stoked to share with you. But it's Mother's Day week, and uh, I run a bakery. And uh, people lose their mind for some cakes around this uh, time of year. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be a real busy weekend down there at the bakery. And uh, I'm keeping it together, though. Just a little burnt out. A little burnt out. I fucked up and uh, I definitely did not get anything in the mail on time for my own mother. And um, sorry, mom, but uh, it's coming. It's on the way. And uh, I don't I don't know why why I did this again. Procrastination. It's uh it's a killer. I've had the gift. That's the thing. I've had the gift this time. You understand me? I've had the gift for one month. I just never put it in the mail. It's dumb. It's dumb. I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry. Happy Mother's Day. Um, what do we got? Episode one sixty one coming at you. Episode 161, Caitlin Convery is a wonderful singer-songwriter from here in Portland, Oregon. And uh, I saw Caitlin play about a month ago at the library. That was my first time seeing her live. I'd only heard some songs off of her record, Unarmed, that is available on all the streaming services. So so check it out if you if you dig the tunes that we feature on this uh, episode of the cast, then definitely check out the uh, the full catalog that is available there. I will also put uh, Caitlin's Instagram handle 
in the episode notes as well as her website link so you can uh you can follow her on all the social medias or uh you know just easily find more of her music or uh, she's got some some great live videos from the rye room and we're going to feature one of those uh a tune from one of those sessions at the end of the episode but uh like i said i'll put all the information in the links or the notes rather episode links go in the episode notes that's how you say that and uh but yeah i I had never seen kaylin play before up until a month ago and uh she put on a really amazing live show and she seemed to do her thing with uh, much vulnerability and much conviction and i dug the fuck out of it and uh i was really excited to have the opportunity to sit down and chat with her and uh we did so for a good amount of time we got a lengthy a lengthy episode we were able to dive into uh, a lot of different things very much appreciate um caitlin's openness and uh willingness to to open up about some things on the mics it's always uh an admirable thing and that's something we talk about a lot on this episode is is how much respect i have for these uh these folks that are incredibly open with their vulnerability and uh, have it in them to share information maybe through song or in other ways in front of an audience of people and and really go for it. There's uh, something very undeniable about that to me. So this is definitely a chat that I enjoyed very much and uh, definitely got to know Caitlin pretty well I feel like for a first time hang and uh stoked to uh stoked to hear this music that she's she's working on and and some for some new tunes to come out but Caitlin has some uh she's got lots of dates on on the calendar so you should definitely um check out the uh the link to her website that I will place in the episode notes, but um, I will I will just give you the the first two that are coming up here is uh, Friday, June twenty first at the uh, Mary Hill Winery in uh, in Vancouver, and Vancouver, Washington. That is, I believe. Let's take a look. It's not really saying. I think that's going to be in Vancouver, Washington, though. That's going to be my guess. Mary Hill Winery, Vancouver. But like I said, you can check out all the. Uh, all of the information on the website and then she's also on uh july 2nd she's going to be uh as a trio playing at ecliptic brewery shout out to my uh buddy curtis reynolds who books all the music there and a dude who i met playing uh open mics when we both uh first moved here about six or seven years ago and uh so she's going to be over there at ecliptic that's a free show it's a rad space and the shows happen relatively early and now that it's summer i'm sure that it's going to be it's going to be awesome with the the doors open and all that madness going on on the patio so july 2nd over there at ecliptic caitlin will be there with a uh, a trio which i'm guessing includes mr dave kelsey who we talked about a little bit but dave plays drums for caitlin and has been for a long time and that dude is very rad, really killer drummer. He just has a pretty amazing ear and uh, 
amazing touch on that on that there kit. So uh, shout out to Dave for uh, always holding it down on the kit back there. But uh, we're going to get into it. We're going to do the thing. Um, like I said, all the links will be in the episode notes so you can follow Caitlin or you can follow me. Please don't forget to leave your iTunes reviews. It's so important to growing this thing. It's a free way. It only takes a few minutes. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate it. And thank you for tuning in to the podcast once again. Like I said, if you're a new listener, I appreciate you checking this thing out. If you dig what you hear, please go back, find some more episodes, and uh, enjoy this one, episode 161 with Caitlin Convery. We are kicking it off with a jam, the first jam that is on her record, Unarmed. It's called Terminal Love. Let's get into it. There's nothing left. Don't turn, look back. Can't see through the smoke They said to run Before it's done But there in the snow I found you On the earth 
You ready to do this thing, mm-hmm. Caitlin? Yes. Ready to jump into diving this thing? Yes. Um, stoked to stoked to hang. Stoked to talk to you about your uh, your tunes and where you come from and whatnot. Um, finally got to see you play some music about a month ago over there at the library, and uh, I was very impressed and uh, really dug your songwriting and, and just your your whole vibe up there so thank you that so, means a lot yeah absolutely it's always uh i think it's nice to be able to to kind of dive into someone's process or or their mind a little bit to to get to know where those tunes come from and that's mm-hmm. kind of what this this thing is about so uh maybe we, we kick it off with some uh you know some softballs you know just lay it in there and and start with like where where are you from and where you come from and whatnot. Okay, great. So I am from here, from Portland, Oregon. I grew up on the east side. Um, I come from a family of non-musicians. Very working class family. Um, First house in Troutdale. Went to the public schools out there. And um, I think my first uh, songs were actually written at about five years old, five and six years old. So I've been doing it a long time. Talking like writing down some some thoughts or some lyrics of some sort at that, at that point? Or what, what do you mean by forming songs at, at five? I just remember, um, I mean, a really early memory, memory. I was actually on the swing set outside and my mom was um, saying I had five minutes to go until it was time for whatever was next. And it was so beautiful out and I was on my stomach on the swing and just kind of looking down at the ground and then turning on my back and looking at the trees and it always seemed like mom's five minutes wasn't quite five minutes maybe it was 15 maybe it was 20 she would just say five minutes and I I made a song about how I wish time could stop and if time only um could last that long and so I could just keep enjoying outside and I would just do that kind of stuff all the time um at a little fake microphone they got me i you know i I sang the school solo in kindergarten which they weren't gonna do but because i just loved it so much the music teacher was like okay (laughs) let's 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 give you a microphone (laughs) (laughs) let's let her get up there yeah to get up there so Um, it was early did uh i don't know were your folks or or family listening to a lot of music around the house or, or in the car yeah it was whitney houston michael jackson um some gospel country, K-U-P-L. That was the country station in Portland at the time. Um, those were my early... My, my parents were actually in high school in the 80s. I had very young parents, so... Um, I, I didn't have any of that Beatles and whatever, 70s and 60s music, none of that. That was something I discovered much later. But, but. Uh, were you pretty drawn into the music that was that was uh, being played around you yeah um i was v- i was a dancer as well um so very into rhythms i love tap dancing that was my favorite type um it, it is strange though and a lot of my friends people close to me now think it is strange that um i was not really pushed into music as a youngster that wasn't it was all sports so i spent a lot of time on the softball team field and basketball and all the different sports my dad was a jock he was my coach um there wasn't a lot of music has definitely been a solo 
pursuit for me that even as I grew older into high school, I mean, bought my first guitar by myself, um, started teaching myself, never had any instruction like that. So. Yeah. We, um, as far as the sports and, and whatnot, how, how far did you, did you do that all throughout high school oh, yeah. and whatnot? Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. Even in high school, I think, did I do, I did basketball, softball, cross country. Um, yeah. And I did like it. I loved it. I think it, and it's helped me in my other careers, all the team work stuff and just being able to use my body and be athletic. And it's, I don't resent it anymore. I do wish that time had been spent on music, but, um, it's given me other skills. So, yeah, I feel you. I, I also grew up pretty sports driven mm-hmm. throughout high school. And I don't know, ever since I was a kid, I was just always playing, played hockey growing up and continued that all through high school and whatnot. But I don't know. I think I think you you learn a lot through all of that, you, you know, do. because yeah. I think it can be definitely uh I don't know, looked down upon by some folks like thinking that 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 sports kind of can create some uh toxicity, which it definitely can. It can go that way as well, but the amount of discipline and and team building that you Very learn true. within that is is pretty undeniable i think Very true and with a band i mean when you grow up and you're managing a band or it's it's a very similar dynamic between a team and yeah so Yeah what was like your main sports jam like what was it what was the the thing that you were best at as far as sports It's a little bit i honestly i don't love talking about it it was one of those things that um my dad was so I was the kid who showed up in high school as a freshman and all of the teachers were like, you're a Convery? Oh, your dad? Oh, my God. He caught this pass uh. and made this whatever touchdown. And <laughs> we're still talking about it 20 well, years later. However high many school years later. glory. Yeah. So um, okay. it's a little bit. It, it was never my thing. I just happened to be pretty good at it. For sure. Um, so when did you... You said you bought your first guitar in high school? Yeah. When did you kind of start leaning in, into that? So I actually remember AOL. Yeah, absolutely. Um, AOL Instant Messenger, AIM. The very first CD I ever bought was advertised on there, and it was that Beatles 1 album. I don't know if you remember okay. that red album yeah. with the yellow one on it. And the tag, you know, they were advertising this album as the best band of all time. And I'm a kid. I mean, I was 13 or something, and I was just like, how can they be the best of all time? I don't believe you. And then I kind of looked it up on the minimal internet that was there, whatever, and and that was what many people were saying. And I had never heard of this band called The Beatles. Never in my life. I had no idea what it was. And it was the first CD I bought, because I was just like, well, I have to hear this. How can the whole world be saying this is the best? And, um, yeah, I mean, that songwriting has had a huge impact on me, for sure. I became very obsessed, almost to a comical extent, as a youngster in high school over the Beatles. Um, I, it's a little bit typical, maybe. I, may, it's not, because it's not, I found them on my own, and I'd never really heard them. And um, it was many decades later, but I, I really... The songwriting was just so... Oh, I don't, I, I don't know how to put my finger on it, but um, you know their early stuff is obviously 
pop driven and you know exactly what's coming and it and it feels good but the later stuff was was all such a exploration exploration every song was some some new discovery and um yeah it was it was huge for me yeah were you as much into uh the poppy stuff as the stuff yeah. that was a little more i loved all of it i memorized all of it i it it is the reason that i got a guitar I wanted to be able to perform. I, I got really swept up in, in what they were able to do at that point in history. I've always been a history. I was a history minor. I was really into history in high school too. And just that whole wave of how, how that happened for them was really interesting to me. So anyway, that, that was the impetus for me to, I actually um, saved all my birthday money and I had a job. I mean, I was working from the age of nine and 10 years old, but I had a job at a restaurant and I saved all my money and bought this like Mitchell red guitar. It was kind of silly, but um, yeah, I even stand, I stood in the lunch line. There was this certain sandwich people could get at Barlow high school. That was like a dollar 90. So there'd be these 10 cents left over and nobody would do anything with them. And so a few days, a few weeks, maybe even I would, I would ask if everyone would give me their 10 cents so I could buy a guitar. <laughs> Hell yeah. And they did. Quite a few did. And right. it helped. I don't know how many dollars I made off that, but it was helpful. And um, yeah, so that that began. And the first first song I tried to learn was Blackbird. And I did it. Yeah. Did you kind of proceed to just like learn a bunch of Beatles songs at the, at the beginning of it? You know, not so much. I learned Blackbird and then I started writing my own songs. I... I really didn't learn a lot of covers. It was only when I was older that I did. It was, it's strange. I it came. Ve- I mean, guitar is a hard instrument to learn, especially on your own. But it all came so naturally to me. It was just I was supposed to make songs. Yeah. Do you feel like when you were buying that guitar, even going into it, you knew that you were buying that guitar so you could write your own songs? I think I knew that. I think I did know that. Yeah that you probably wouldn't necessarily spend a bunch of time learning covers and use it more as your your tool for expression? I think that I knew I needed that, yeah. Um, as I said, I'd always been kind of writing songs and melodies at least and vocal type songs. And so, yeah. And then the guitar became my one and only best friend. Um, and it's funny because even to this day, I don't, I don't even call myself a guitarist necessarily. It's not really... Um, of course I am, but it's, it's more the, the soothing, um, catharsis of having that guitar on my lap in the privacy of wherever I am, just me and the guitar. It's a relationship, um, unlike any other, it's definitely not just with myself. There's this other instrument there that's making it happen and, um, yeah, most of the songs that I write are very much when I'm in a, I'm trying to soothe myself. It's a huge part of where, and I, and I know a lot of fans and people who watch um, and have something to say after a gig will comment on that, the dynamic and the feeling and that kind of thing. And the only reason that's translating and they're feeling that is because those are the dark hours. That, that's what I go through when I'm writing. And we all do as musicians. But um, I think for me particularly, for some reason, it might be I don't have a very good relationship with my mother. I don't have a lot of um, nurturing in that way. So I, the guitar and what I'd make with that guitar is, helps me work through a lot. Yeah, would you say that 
that part of the process, just you alone with the guitar is much more important to you than ever even sharing those songs with people? No. It's not, surprisingly. Although it's so, it is. It is absolutely important. And, um, you know, I even think about if I pass away, you know, that could happen at any time. If we, if anything happened to me, you know, it's always my songs that come to the forefront of my mind that, oh my God, those aren't recorded yet. That was, the, you know, that won't be. So yes, that, that, that I do with my guitar and make those songs are like my children or something. And yes, it's very important and, and it could be enough on its own kind of, yes. But what transpire, transpires when I perform those live is the true catharsis of all that feeling that I go through when I write them. And I, they're not really the same without each other. I, um, I have to go through that with the audience to really get the most out of what I've done. That's, that's the whole point, right? I dig that though. It's, uh, I don't know. I guess that's the ultimate release of it too. Like to be able to do that in front of people. I've gone kind of back and forth about it the last, the last few years as you and I were, were talking off mic um, a little bit, both of us are, are very busy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've kind of let all of the busyness make it so that I don't play music out in front of people anymore. Like, I just play at home and write, write songs. Right. And I think I use it as an excuse a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to hear, hear you say that because I think it's inspiring to me um, that it's important to maybe share those, share those tunes because I, I do get a lot of satisfaction and the soothing and the, the therapeutic, um, process out of just sitting with the guitar and, and playing music and, and just kind of running through my thoughts that way and kind of stream of consciousness. Absolutely. It's not always just sitting down to play a song a lot of times maybe even playing the same song over and over but but hearing different things and and lyrics and then i'm all pissed because i didn't hit the record on the on the iphone mm -hmm. for that take and then i can never like never remember, remember it exactly again. what it is I and, I, and i think terrible. it's also like uh sometimes it's difficult for me to i i feel like i'm always uh i don't have a basement anymore but i used to talk with my friend um do you know stephanie shelza yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. Stephanie's rad and yes, a former guest of the of the of the program. And uh, <laughs> I used to always joke with her about like I can never bring like the ba the basement performance to the live performance. Oh. Like it's never as good as I feel like it was in my house or right. in my room or whatever. Um, do you have any problems with like transitioning from? playing those tunes in, in your room or whatever and then bringing them to the to the live show is that a struggle for you at all or no. do you um no i sometimes wonder if they're too um too vulnerable or too I think because because of my method, I suppose it's not a method, it just happens. I have to go to the guitar to work through whatever feeling I'm going through and then lyrics come out and I am I am literally working through the experience as I'm writing the song. So in the first verse or whatever it is, I am in that emotional state and I'm trying to save myself sometimes, really. And so I'm trying to think through 
the proper way to come to the conclusion what I'm supposed to learn through this. And so I, I do think that's why a lot of my songs feel like such a journey because, um, and you know, the bandmates that come to end up enjoying playing the music, that's what they love about it is, is the journey of the song. And it's, it's definitely because I am working through something usually really, I, um, it's hard to talk about these these things, but um, I do. I've been diagnosed on three continents with bipolar, um, so I've dealt with that since. Well, I don't know really how long. I think it was coming up even earlier than that, but most of my twenties, and I'm 32 now, and it's caused. It, it's a very. When people ask me what it's like, um, the best way for me to describe it is: I just have so much energy that runs through my body so much energy and sometimes and and that's why I'm able to be such a productive human being I get so much done in my other careers as we talked about and construction and real estate and all kinds of things um but and it drives me and just this energy shoots through but but it's an overwhelm you know you you get totally um sometimes it feels like I don't have a rudder and I'm just I'm just a lightning rod those are two very opposite things but um, so I go through a lot of ups and ups and downs yeah, and it can um, crash you as yeah, well. Absolute huge crashes. I'm definitely more on the manic side of this thing. I, um, I go, go, go. And then there's a crash and, um, hopefully there's no fallout. I'm getting a lot better. I'm older and I'm there. It's, it's a very, um, I feel a lot better and a lot healthier and I've found mechanisms to, to live with what I have, but yeah. Get, I, without music, it would be over. I that mean, get, it that saved guitar, my life. That guitar yeah. and that process is a, is a huge part of it then. Absolutely. I find that to be true for myself as well. Like for someone that deals with some some ups and downs and I don't know, definitely had to uh, face some some mental health stuff in the last couple of years. Just some some stuff I couldn't avoid anymore because it was just like, yo, dude, you're not you're not doing well, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it let me know, and it let me know, you know? You know oh, all yeah. Of, all of a sudden, you're at the hospital <laughs> oh. telling people that you like feel like you're having a heart attack, but you're not. You're just having a panic attack. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so... You know, I'm not I'm not familiar with all all that you've had to experience, but I'm I'm definitely, you know, have my my share of, of kind of ups and downs. And we and, all do. And yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why art and music so is so important. Yeah, and I I don't know. I can definitely feel uh, like if I if I let myself get away from the the songwriting or or even just like expressing myself through the guitar for a few weeks or or a month or, or something like that. I, I think I really have started to, to see the effects of that. And also just how much, how much uh, happier I am maybe when I, when I am playing consistently, you know, when I do come home from work and just pick up, pick it up for an hour or, and all of a sudden two hours slips away and it's just like, Oh, that, that was great. Like that was my, that was my church for the day. You know? Absolutely. And I was just going to say, I mean, I've become more and more aware just recently that the chance uh, after all of all, all of the history of this planet and its evolution, the chance of a human being possible, human, the, the chance to have this kind of consciousness on the level that we have and to have gotten to this place, our 
best and truest expression of that life that we somehow just have in so much amounts and just in one human body. I mean, it's beauty, it's art, it's, it's creating. And that it's brought me a lot of sadness lately, just realizing that we have such a gift as this incredibly um, conscious species on this planet, I guess you could say. And we should be putting it only towards making the most beautiful experience for every one of us. And we should all be getting closer and closer to our highest expression of art and music. It, it's the most interesting thing about being human. And instead, all of that's being cut. People are acting like it's just this periphery thing. It, it is literally what sets us apart from every other species on this planet. It's, it's a part of us being human and it, it should be um, embraced. And it, it sh it, like I said, it should just be the, the most important thing about being human from our earliest age. It should be how are you going to express, express yourself and, and how can you become the best at doing that? Yeah. I, don't, I just don't know if that's always, uh, always encouraged. It definitely or, isn't. Um, and I don't know that it ever will be in my lifetime, but I can certainly do it on my own. For so. sure. But yeah, I mean... Yeah, even that it's possible that we get to have this conversation is is wild, and, and I know. just to like dive into things and and uh, get a little trippy, I guess about about the existence deal. But also, I just think not everybody, you know, it's not going to be a shared perspective just because people get beaten down, maybe even you know early on, and uh, they don't really they don't really care about their existence or, or anybody else's. Yeah. And it is, it is, um, I wish I could, there's a word on the tip of my tongue, but just so precious. It's so precious what we have, um, to make the most, I, 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 it really gets to me, you know, um, we live in, a world now where people for profit are trying to um, capture as much of our time as possible on Netflix and whatever other way they possibly can. Um, even if you just drive down the street and you just look at all of the signs trying to steal your attention. It's crazy. This is your one life that you should be able to decide what you see and what you experience. And all of these other things that aren't even pretty, you know, just ugly at just trying to steal your attention and your one precious life. Time is way more valuable than money. It's, we, we, there is no value really on time. You, know, you never know how much you're going to have. And yet all of these periphery, and especially, you know, when social media and all of that, all, it, it, it's to the point now where I'm trying, it's so hard, but I'm trying I'm not better than anybody else. Don't think I'm saying that. It's it's not like it's easy, but I'm trying very, very hard to think of, to have that perspective all the time. And those moments where I have to get on Facebook and Instagram for music and, you know, I'm about to get sucked in and, and scroll and look at stuff. And I'm just like, no, this is my precious time on this planet. Yeah. What, who is trying to take it from me? And I am, I think of it as kind of a battle and at war because that always helps me. I'm a competitive person, but I can't. No, no. My time needs to be spent on this earth, making things, relating with people, creating, doing the things I'm best at. And it's just, it, it's so sad because so much of humanity now, it's like we're living a fake. We, we already have the keys to the castle. We're human in this beautiful world and we can do whatever we want and make as much beauty as we want. And instead, we're all 
focused on these small screens, having someone else do that for us. Absolutely. I don't know why it's, it's so easy to get sucked into that world though. It is so easy to lose like an hour looking at people's Instagram stories and I have to be like, what the fuck am I doing? Exactly. Right now? Exactly. Are, and then also, it 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 does, you know, it does influence your your thoughts and your day. And I don't know. I just, I just, yeah. I'll get on. I don't use Facebook a whole lot, except for creating events for for shows. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I've kind of left it to rest. And and it it still has its benefits here and there of like maybe a friend tagging me in a video that I want to watch like to make me laugh or whatever. But yeah, for the most part, I'll, I'll just get like three, three deep into seeing people's thoughts sometimes. And I'm just like, I, I can't do this. Right. And <laughs> I then can't experience it, yeah. this right now. And the ads, you know, someone's monetizing your, the minutes you have on this planet. Yeah. And you're, and we are letting them do it for the most part. For sure. I mean, it's even, watching uh, like as i get older watching television commercials are the funniest oh thing to me just because <laughs> i'm just very never, confused about like what is what is happening and who who is actually like buying in to this bullshit you know and it's it's really amazing because i don't know as a kid no thoughts were given about commercials it's just like oh there's the commercial again for that car mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. or for the new dipping sauce at McDonald's <laughs> and which I don't know you wrap me up in into maybe a food advertisement I'm maybe a sucker for but <laughs> but it's just so wild watching commercials now and and what what is being sold and I'm, I'm just often trying to figure out who this is targeted for and who's actually who is paying attention to this and and just being like oh, i'm gonna call geico right now actually and change my insurance but i mean think about all the conversations i've even noticed around family members and friends and older family or whatever the amount of conversation that is around deals and and you know stuff they've bought and where they've gone and i'm just like wow we are literally they've been making us into consumers for decades and that is that is what we are we are now americans the, mo- the thing we have in common with every single demographic of American is that we are trained to be consumers and that's what we talk about is what we spend our time doing. So yes, they're buying it. Yes, they're sitting in front of it. I don't know. Let's not talk about it. It's fucking depressing. Yeah. <laughs> we can't solve this one. Can we, we can't. Not right now. <laughs> well, all right. So let, let's back to the music yeah. stuff. Um, as someone that experiences the highs and lows, what is performance like for you or or even maybe even post-show like like is is post-show kind of a weird thing for you so you know lately i think i mean you you've you did see me play like a month ago and i was definitely in that zone in the in the past i'd say six months to a year it just kind of clicked for me that um the most important thing is to make everybody feel something. And the best way to do that is not to sing perfectly and not to play perfectly. It is to completely open myself up to what I'm feeling. And, and it's been a part also of my discovery with the mental, with whatever I have, this, this huge amount of energy they call bipolar, whatever. Um, there's power in that. And I have been trying my best to just expose myself basically when I perform now. And, it's exhausting, yeah, but 
it's the most enthralling and you know it just it feels like exactly what this physical form is supposed to be doing that that's what it was built to do is to open up that way and and help people feel something maybe or um yeah so post show very exhausting um and because i do really tap in to whatever i've written about and try to show everyone that and get them right in it with me um yeah i'm sure most performers feel that way it's it's very you're all opened up afterwards and um you don't really know if if everyone i mean they say they liked it you don't you don't know all you know is you just got super naked in front of everybody yeah. and, um, <laughs> but i don't know i i don't know that you can it's hard to criticize that i think even if everybody didn't love it you know when somebody's i think revealing themselves or revealing yeah or just uh giving you that 100% authenticity of themselves and and i think that's i think that can be very difficult to criticize i mean and i think mo uh, most people do really respect it and it's definitely like an attractive characteristic and and i think it makes people hopefully more comfortable with their own thoughts and feelings you know i mean that's usually what i personally take away when i go see a singer songwriter like yourself it's like oh i find i find comfort in this like because i i feel something that you said or maybe not even identify 100 100% with it but it's just like all right cool like they're feeling this thing too. <laughs> We're all yeah, just out here. Yeah, that's the whole here. point. We're not alone. <laughs> We're all going through this. Absolutely. Um, and it's so it's so interesting as artists and musicians how you go through those things singularly. Um, just kind of, you're just being a human when you write it, and and you hope everyone else feels the same way. And it turns out they usually do. And you're not not as crazy as you thought. So it's a huge. It's. I don't use these word blessed or anything, but there's no other word really for it. I, f I do. I feel so bl blessed, so lucky, so fortunate. Um, I often have said, you know, I've been, I've been pursuing music in some way or another for many years now, but professionally since like 2012, 2013. And um, I've had incredible experiences. I've been able to play for three months in Park Way in Barcelona and uh, busking there. That was how I paid rent for me and my partner at the time living there i mean i've that was the most beautiful stage i may ever play on there there's yeah. so many stages but but that looking out at the mediterranean with my little <laughs> tip jar and the perfect acoustics and this incredible artist gaudi who who Gaudi's, thought this whole thing up gaudi i just i just got back from barcelona oh god <laughs> yeah i lived there a year the That's huge amazing. influence on me and musically and and everything else i played in all all the subways until i would get kicked out because other people so had their spot cool. and um yeah this uh, yeah but i would i would tell my i i so i'm very lucky in that i've had these beautiful beautiful experiences that, that don't mean fame and fortune and, and money or whatever but i can not everybody gets to do that. Not everybody gets to process all their feelings, go out in front of people, have them enjoy it. it it's so if, if that, if, if my crazy energy spikes and the bipolar thing that, that does wreak havoc sometimes on my, myself and my relationships, if, 
that's all a part of this healing thing, this music thing, then, then I take it, you know, I mean, it's the, it's the best, it is the tool I need to get better basically. But I mean, at the very least you're facing, you're facing your shit, I guess. And I think that's like something that a lot of people don't do or can avoid. And I, I think, don't know how the fuck they avoid it. I don't know. I don't know either, but it's, uh, I think I you know. avoid it by addiction and getting fat and things. That's possible. <laughs> um, so what happens after high school that like leads you to traveling around um, to, to places like Barcelona for a year? So I went to U of O and that's University of Oregon. University of Oregon. Yeah. Non Pacific <laughs> Northwesterners. Yeah. Um, that I did a four year degree in three I was always in a rush to get done with school. Um, Is that lightning rod? Yeah. Had to get it done. And that was the economy tanked. That was 2007. I was working at Portland City Grill downtown. I had a cute apartment in Northwest. And um, there was, but I had just gotten a degree. I was the first person on both sides of my family for any record that we have of anyone um, to get a college degree. So it was a big deal That's and rad. I was expected to, I got one and you know, at the worst time in history. Now what the <laughs> fuck are you going to do with it, Caitlin? And I'm the first one <laughs> and I get this degree in journalism and it's like, well, you're going to be so successful and here we go. And the economy tanked, there was nothing for us. And so I went to South Korea to teach English. Um, I spent two years there. Um, Did you have your guitar there then? Oh, absolutely. All I right. played a lot there. Um, and funnily enough, this um, Guri Shi, which was the first town that I lived in there, I taught at a hagwon, which is an, uh, it's a word for like private school there, and um, little four and five year olds. And in that little town, there was a bar called the Blue Moon Bar or something. And it was this Jaywalk Cha, I think his name was. And he was just a guy who had spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia. There aren't a lot of, there are not a lot of, well, at the time in 2008, 2009, Korean people are pretty homogeneous and culture wise there aren't too many outliers there aren't too many people doing crazy shit and growing out their hair and doing weird things like that wasn't really a thing yet and this guy was one of them and he had this bar and he had a all of the musical instruments and a mural on the back of the stage that was the beatles (laughs) this really trippy beautiful beatles thing and it was so crazy the first night i walked down there i was like you've got to be kidding me this keep Um, this keeps showing up for me as an inspiration, I guess. But, um, yeah, so I played there a lot and did a lot of music in South Korea. So that was two years. I met my, um, my ex-husband there. Uh, he was South African. Um, we both had different contracts there at schools. Mine got up early. I went to India for a few months, um, where I also just happened to stay at an ashram. I was studying yoga there. I just happened to stay at an ashram in Rishikesh that I didn't know was just down like a, a quarter mile from the Beatles ashram where they wrote the White Album. Right on. So I got to go in there and there was some... That's where it all changed yeah, for the Beatles. absolutely. That India trip. Oh my God. And what an incredible... And that that campus, if you want to call it whatever that place is, you've got to look that up or you, you have to visit in person. But it is... It has influenced even my architectural because, you know, I do construction and um, I design and flip houses and whatever. But I actually have a huge dream to build a venue here in Portland that um, 
I basically want to take everything I experienced about concert halls in Europe when I lived in Barcelona, like um, Palau de Musica in Barcelona and, um, and this that I saw in India and, and make something for us, but that's a whole other story. But um, anyway, at that, they have all these little honeycomb type, just dozens and dozens of places where you can stay in the bottom of it. And then you have your own perfect kind of honeycomb shape on the top that's just for meditation with a perfect arch. And none, when you're sitting in your little honeycomb looking out that archway, you can't see any other honeycombs. You, you, they have designed it in such a way that you feel completely in your own private spot, even though you're right next to all these other people meditating. And, and then these other huge buildings with other sleeping quarters. And on top of that, something that looks like eggs, just large, large eggs on top of the buildings that maybe 20 people could fit inside. And we went there with our instruments that day and um, played music, all these other people from the ashram and looking down on the Ganges, the river is just flowing by. It's spiritual center of India. I mean, unbelievable. I've had a very wonderful life. That's killer. Yeah. And uh, you you have some time in Barcelona? Yes. And so... India a few months, and then I was on my way to Spain. I'd lived there in college. I really wanted to be speaking Spanish again. I kind of knew I'd met someone I was probably going to marry. I kind of wanted to do this thing before that happened. So I told him, I'm moving to Spain. You can come if you want. He did come. Um, We taught English there. He decided to go back to Cape Town, South Africa. I stayed in Spain, played a lot of music there, as I I mentioned, busking. and on a few stages and with some people um that uh that sagrada oh yeah that uh that was a pretty pretty spiritual spiritual experience for me that i was not expecting and that thing blew me stunning away absolutely it was just so crazy because we stayed a couple blocks from there so we would walk by it every day and just kind of look on the outside but we didn't have tickets to go inside for a few days so it was just it was it was wild to Mystery. just not know what's going on and then get to go inside and see where that, like all the magic is magic. And it's organic. I mean, it, those pillars look like trees and the kaleidoscope of, I, I mean, every little inch is calculated. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That, that blew my mind getting to hear all the history of, of why he designed that. And just the whole idea of, of making it an instrument for the city so that when the yep. bells went off, it went off throughout the whole city and just the design of that thing. That is the perfect example of what I was saying earlier. That is taking your gift of humanity and making the best possible, most beautiful thing you possibly can out of it. And people are still trying to, you know, create his dream. Mm-hmm. And it's been passed upon How so many that? different generations people. of people. Some of the greatest architects of all time have worked on that thing. It's amazing. 2029, they said it's going to be done. Wow. I want to go. I want to go oh. back and see it. Oh, yeah. When it's done. Maybe Absolutely. one more time before it's not done. Yeah. No, it's, it is one of the highlights of the whole world, I'd say. I mean, definitely a place to visit if anyone's listening to this. Get to Barcelona. It's a very inspiring place. So while you were teaching English in all these different spots, were you, I don't know. I don't know if serious is the right w- word, but you're pursuing the music pretty heavy oh absolutely yeah yes definitely um it's always been what i've wanted i just haven't been necessarily um able to afford it always and um i've just worked you know i 
I have always had a sense of adventure. I always knew I needed to see some far off places. And that's what I did in my 20s. I, it was eight year, almost eight years, I think, total that I spent South Korea, Spain, and South Africa. So three and a half years in South Africa. Um, so I kind of forgot what your question was, but yeah. It was just along the lines of like that you were all of that time you were playing music pretty yes, heavy. And uh, yes. And some of the songs you, I still play all the time um, were written during those. It's a singular experience, not not traveling really, living in cultures that are not your own. For extent, I, I always say more than three months, definitely a year, but at about three months of living in a spot, your mind starts to wrap around the way everybody else thinks and in that spot. And you, you can kind of start to make inroads and understand how you're supposed to behave and how it goes. And that um, mind expanding experience of living in other places where the language is different and the way things are done is different and uh, everything. I mean, I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to put a value on how much that's changed me and how much that's helped me because it has in immeasurable ways um, how you relate to people, how you're able to think from other perspectives and be patient. And yeah, it's, I'm very passionate about everybody having that experience to really understand that all humans have different ways of coming up with systems to think and, and be, and, um, we got to put ourselves in those situations so we can get humble and yeah. Yeah. It certainly, certainly informs your perspective Mm -hmm. and, um yeah that was my first travels outside of the country oh wow like yeah i just got back like a month ago Good for you. I, I cool. went for a couple of weeks to spain and ibiza perfect place and, to start uh, off yeah it blew my mind and it definitely uh i don't know it's nice to see how some other people are living mm-hmm. <clears throat> i think i definitely want to go a little more off the off the path next time though yeah because like one thing i did find you know traveling through barcelona and madrid is that it's different, but there's a lot of the, the same too. It's still like it's a functioning big city. So, you know, it's still the hustle and bustle is right. all, all still there. Right. Where like when we bounced out to Ibiza and kind of went up into the the more inland areas, found some folks that were just kind of kind of hanging out, very low key place. And oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Whole just, other. I was like, am I going to move to time. Ibiza? Is am I going to live Possibly. here? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, definitely, you should try it. definitely mind expansive it situation. Is, yeah. So I can't even imagine like having the opportunity to do that for an extended period oh, of time. Yeah. Cause even two and a half weeks is like a lot for me to not be working and right. realize how, how slow time can go by when you're not doing the nine to five. See, but grind. I was always working in all these, pla- but yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That was that was kind of like one of the biggest pleasures of the whole thing. It was just like, oh, this is this is how long a day actually is, and this is how it feels. Yeah, I think it's also it's it's also always nice for me to um, know that the world still functions, or or my world still functions when I'm not there or part Mm -hmm, of it. It's just mm -hmm. like, okay, cool. Still, everything's happening. Yep, no need to stress so hard. Yeah, people are people are doing their thing. Yep, (laughs) you put it in motion, it's going. Absolutely. Um, let's jump into a jam. Okay. Let's jump into, uh, this wild track. Yes. Wild. Which I, I did quite a bit. I think I wrote that in Cape to, that was a South African experience. And this is, uh, this is off the, the unarmed record and people can find 
all over the internet, all over the streaming services. Uh, this is the jam. This is this is wild. Talk to me about this this unarmed record. I know you, I know you put it out like four four years ago. Is that fair? It says Gosh, 2015, yeah, 2015. I think. On, I can't believe that. Oh um. So what was where were you at in your life when you're making this batch of tunes? And is this batch of tunes kind of like was this the first music you ever kind of recorded and released? Released, yes. Okay. So I did have a record contract in Cape Town with a small label, and we were doing. Um, something that's now happening all over. It's kind of a folk electronic type of thing. And I wrote those songs specifically for that album, specifically for that contract. Um, 
some of them were pretty cool actually but anyway they had funding problems they were never released it didn't go well is that the type of thing where like those songs kind of get not to like get too deep into like what happened but is that a situation where those those songs kind of get shelved and yeah you are totally shelved like not even allowed i mean you could obviously play them i'm sure to myself but right i can't share them you can't no you can't like re-record those tunes or um like they kind of have the rights to those songs basically almost positive i can't re-record any of those yeah so um it was a great experience though writing specifically for a style of music I, I still I learned so much I wish I could do that again I wish someone would ask me to do any kind of soundtrack or just collaborate with them I I feel like my greatest strength as an artist is in the songwriting and, and I am able to take a brief and, and write a song and do it anyway so that was it was a great experience on that level and just getting studio experience but um, also I was being pushed to it would have been fine to write in that style almost for someone else, but then I was being pushed to perform in a way that was not me. I have always been a very authentic person. I've never been overly feminine. I've never been overly sexualizing type of person, and, and that's what he wanted, and that's what the label wanted. They wanted me to be able to, to dance. Turn you into the, and the pop star. Yeah, the, they, they wanted me to be sexy the, yeah. and whatever, and it just was never me. It was never going to go off right, and... um. So, but it was, I knew I could do it. I knew based on how that had gone and that I'd even been selected to be a part of that, that, you know, I had what it took and I I wanted my other songs recorded. And so this Unarmed album was directly coming out of that. Me deciding, okay, I'm going to fucking do this. I am going to try to represent myself as best as I can. Um, and it was hard. You get a lot of people in your ear. You get a lot of producer people that come alongside the process and it's hard to stay true to, and you know, there are things I'm not totally happy with, with that album. I, I don't, I don't know that my vocals were captured in the way that the power and the way that they really do sound now. And I'm determined to make that happen in the next album. But overall it was a great experience. I worked with, um, just incredible musicians, some of the best in the, not just country, but continent of Africa were on that album. Um, I mean, there's cello on that album. There's all kinds of African drums. Um, there's this slight tinge of kind of world music to it just because we were very, um, innovative with the, with the drums on that. And there was a rubber drum used, um, that they, that you'll find in the townships in South Africa. It's, uh, uh, made of a tire over a bucket and then they take little Coca-Cola, pop cans and kind of string them up above it and that is like the symbol or um and i think that was on that exact drum was on wild which you just heard yeah the strings on the record are really rad yeah for sure yeah and i don't know i I don't know if it's um the way you write songs but it seems that there's there's a lot of cool grooves to the tunes you know like they they do have some of the like straight ahead pop sensibilities like some cool catchy hooks and everything but it it just always seems like there's there's a cool groove going on especially on that record there's like a lot of rad bass lines Mm -hmm, and stuff like mm -hmm, that and mm -hmm. uh yeah i don't know is that like when you after you've written a song you're kind of bringing it to a band Mm -hmm. are you super involved in that process as far as what they're what they are playing 
And are you pretty, are you one to voice? And you're like, no, nah, I don't really like that at all. You know, when you're. Yeah. I mean, so for the, al- it's different in studio and in band. So on in studio, I was, I th- I'm pretty sure I'm written as co-producer maybe. I don't know, but I was very involved with every line, every line, um, every guitar solo. I was kind of kind of just like I manage the projects that I construct. I mean, like the detail, the detail of my, um, the finished product of the houses, but, um, it's important to you. It is, especially when it's recorded, but, um, they were all so incredible what they did. So often, oftentimes it was perfect. You know, it wasn't always that way, but, um, when it comes to the band, that is a totally different thing. And my bandmates would attest it's, I, I've been very lucky, especially recently, working with Dave Kelsey. I've, I've, he's been my drummer. We've we've played together for five years. Dave's um, the man. He I love Dave. He's man. one of the first, I don't know, drummers I probably met in this city, and he's an unreal musician. He and just a really nice dude. His feeling for the songs, and and this he isn't just it. when he plays with me. This is every band that I watch this man perform with. He he feels it, and it just comes out his fingers, and he he drives the whole thing. And so I am so privileged to work with him. And then Margaret Ware, who's been doing backup vocals, she is the best in town. She's amazing. Um, by f- I mean, there's no one doing what she's doing, and I mean, she can just write harmonies on the spot. Um, she can sing with someone. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen anything like it. It's magic. Um, and then Matthew Holmes, who was in those Rye Room videos, um, he has been playing with us for the past year and he just brought, you know, his own, you know, he would do the normal bass rhythmic stuff, the groove that you want, but also just kind of dreamy pedal work. And so in this case, that permutation of those musicians, no, I never, I don't ever say a thing they're so good and they understand it and they feel it and they have made it what it is. I do not tell them what to do. And you just trust that they are in it to serve the song. I would assume then they just do. They do it so well. I haven't had to, I mean, every once in a while, I suppose there's been something that happens and and certainly over uh, certainly happen, you know, it shouldn't always be necessarily spot on. Yeah. Some conversations I think have to be had and when we're working towards recording something, obviously we sit around and um, they'll say, yeah, we, we come to a conclusion on how the drums should be. And But no, I am not the band leader who's like, no, you don't have that note right. Oh, it should go like this. Oh, I already have a melody and you should follow this. And why are you doing that harmony? No, they do it. Right on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just really enjoyed that performance I got to see you throw down and you kind of talked about the, like one of the things that I recognized and even wrote down, I have this habit of, you know, I'm, I'm watching your set, but, um, with hopefully the, uh, opportunity to like do something like this with you later, I'll, I'll write notes down while, oh, wow. while I'm watching shows Commitment. just, so, just so, cool. so I can remember too, because I mean, that show was a month ago at mm-hmm. least now. So, it's it's nice to be able to kind of write things down in the moment and go back to it and be like, oh yeah, that was the thing. But so um, cool. I have written down is like the the highs and lows that you're able to express in the songs is is uh, very powerful and you uh, your mic control specifically I think is is very impressive and and the way that you your your understanding of of the dynamic of getting loud and quiet with your your voice is. Uh, it's very tight. It's it's it seems to be very dialed in 
it's a lot of fun to watch. Thank you. That is such a great thing to hear. Yeah, I work hard on that. Um, you know, and I, I am lucky the the very professional studio experience I have had, I learned, and I had choir and stuff, but to dictate, it's really important to me that people can actually understand my lyrics. That is so important to me. So I do work very hard to draw it in close and quiet and have you still understand and get loud. And yeah, that's cool. You notice that. Yeah, absolutely. Loud. And and you, I would imagine like all those, all those years of kind of like busking around and playing solo yes. is a big reason that you're able to do that so well. Oh and, yes. You have to grab their attention in a very small window of time. Yeah. Is, do you f- feel like your approach to playing a solo acoustic show is it's much different than when you have the opportunity to play with a a full band behind you i would say that what the band brings out in me um i mean when i play solo which i've done so much of hours and hours at wineries especially in cape town oh man so many hours in a row just by myself um I I honed that dynamic skill from being all by myself and needing to have an interesting performance. There's it's it's hard when you're all alone to keep everybody engaged. You have to do something and I'm not particularly the best guitarist and I'm not but what I can do is get very dynamic and and people get quiet when they hear those big changes, you know. They they really pay attention. It does something and um so that I do do on my own, but the band, when the band's behind me, it is like a fierceness and ferocity, you know, that I don't I can't do on my own. And um, honestly, they're just so good. The, this batch of musicians that I've been honored to work with in the last year or two, especially, I mean, they bring out the best of me. I, I have to show up. I have to do my, my best performance because here they are deciding to be with me. They could be with any other band. Um, but here they are. And who knows how long it'll be and who knows how long I'll be playing with some of the best musicians in town. So bring it you know, lead that band to be, be the best you can be. So they bring that out in me that I think I'm very thankful to them for, cause it's, it's, it's bringing it to a whole new level. Yeah. Does it, does it allow you to kind of lose yourself in it differently and to a different level as, as well? Yeah. Get caught up in a little, <clears throat> get kind of caught true. up in it a little bit more. Especially with Dave. Dave being the power, you know, the one driving the whole thing with rhythmically. And um, he and I, we often perform as a duo over the years. He, he's been my most, what's the word? The member of the band that's been there. Yeah. You know, the longest that we've, we can, we do, people have seen us perform just as a duo and they just love it. They think it's, yeah. So, um. It's because of him. He, he's got such a voice behind <laughs> those drums, you know. He can. It's like any other soloist. I, I've never played with a drummer like him. But um, anyway, I'm getting off topic. What, 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 what did you ask? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, I mean, I was just speaking to, I would imagine that oh, it's yeah. just easier to lose yourself in, in the music yourself, yes. you know, when you're not the only one up there as well. And when I feel that they've, they've got, you know, it's driving, especially I think rhythmically for me, because a lot of what I do do, the lines I write in the, it is kind of, um, rhythmically different, I guess you, you kind of said something about it. I don't really know how to put it into words, but I would say it has to do with living in Spain and living in South Africa and just being exposed to different things. And I write stuff that's just a little different in that way. And, 
um, I put a lot of pressure on myself to be in time and I'm not a trained musician. Everyone I play with has a degree in music and it's been that way for a long time. I have this chip on my shoulder that I don't know what I'm doing and I'm up there trying to keep time. And But with Dave, yes, I can get lost because it's like, okay, he's got this. I can just, I'm, I'm with him. He's got the timing going. I'm just, yes. Well, so, so thankful for him. Yeah. And, and maybe you're not, you know, a musician with a degree, but you certainly seem like you've put the time in to playing. And I mean, that goes back to all those hours of busking and stuff. Yeah. Like when you, when you do that type of thing, like you get good at your instrument and you get good at what, what you like to do, I think, you know? Yes. And it's cool that some of that, that world music is kind of bled into what you do and, and all the, you know, on the rhythmic end. Yeah. Definitely. The flamenco. And then, I mean, South Africa, I, I don't even, rhythm is just a part of life there it's but spain is similar yeah i was so lucky i i wouldn't i didn't go living in those places for music or or because i thought it would influence my music but when i look back on it it is those have been two of the that's had some of the most influence on me is what was coming through my ears while i was living in those countries it impacted your filter yeah that's for sure yeah um which is what you write through yeah, I can, I'll never forget in Sevilla traveling through there when it was like Christmas break or something. So we did do like a travel um, and just some people hanging out in a pub and in the park. We saw it twice in one night. I will never forget that, that we had gone and seen Flamenco and then like an actual performance and then happened to go past a park on our way home and then to another bar. And in both places, there were just there was a group of teenagers just doing the little clapping together with some drinks outside and then we go to this bar and this kind of older group of people maybe in their 30s or something started doing it and they weren't particularly musical they someone kind of hummed something and sang something but it was in them that rhythm they they had grown up doing that and uh, incredible yeah i yeah i got to live in very musical places where that's just a part of the culture and it definitely rubbed off yeah um were you always pretty comfortable? Like once you started performing in front of people, were you always pretty comfortable about um, not only the vulnerability of the the content of your lyrics, but um, the vulnerability of of being able to share with people what songs are about? Because I don't know, even seen you play at the, at the library recently. You know, you seem to be just just forward with information about tunes you're just like this jams about my divorce or whatever you know like i don't know were you always pretty comfortable about bearing your soul in front of the people um yes yes i have always been comfortable doing that somehow but recently it's become more apparent to me that um that's all i need to do i i don't need to go on a whole story about what the song's about but i can at least give people a an idea into where I was at when I went to write it. And I think they enjoy it more that way. So I've been trying to do that a little better. Um, but no, I've never had a pro I've always been, I'm one of those weirdos. Anyone who knows me knows it's like, what are you going to get? What is she going to share? What is the overshare? What's happening? Why is she telling me all this? (laughs) Is Um, that, is that on stage and off stage? I mean, it used to be bad. I think on stage, I think I went overboard sometimes. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I can't tell you. I just. Do you think it's like empowering in some way for like 
just to like be vocal about shit and like let people know that you're going through something. I just don't know any other way. I don't know any other way than to tell. It's almost, I can't bear it all alone. Maybe, maybe that's part of it. That's, I mean, that's, uh, I think that's a better way to, to go about it. Yeah. To not feel like you have to bear it alone. Bring everybody in. I mean, I think that's, I think that's why a lot of people gravitate towards music or even singer songwriter stuff. Like whether you're a performer or, or a listener, yeah, you're looking for, you're looking for something probably. Yeah. Right. Whether it's like understanding or just the comfort, some grace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, a vulnerable seems to be the way, I mean, when, when I think about all the music that's moved me in my life, it is, it's performances that are just pure, raw emotion. So, um, I've been trying to view it that way the last couple of years. I've tried to take my position up there very seriously. I'm, I'm up there taking people on a ride. If they're there, if they're there actually engaged and watching, I am... It's a very powerful position. I'm, I'm taking everyone on an emotional journey inside themselves somewhere. I mean, you could think of it almost as a spiritual event, a spiritual leader almost. Um, that's a bit weird to say, but that, that's kind of what it is. It's no, like, like church, like yeah. what I said earlier. So, no, there's a lot of responsibility there. And You're, um, you're going to give, if you're, if you're for those who are there to listen and take it in, you're going to... You're gonna give them something. Oh yeah, I'm gonna give them. Gonna take them as far as I want to go. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, <laughs> I will often refer to you know whomever is performing. It's just like oh, and Caitlin gave the the homily tonight at at the uh, at the show, which is yeah, it's like a um comes from that that Catholicism kind of vocabulary of of the the priest giving the homily of the day and whatnot. So I don't know. know. I would, I grew up Protestant mega church. What's that? The homily is just like the, the good word or, you know, like the, got you. The homily is, um, and the Catholics are going to, I'm not, I'm not too in tune with everything. The Psalm for the day or whatever. The, the, the message of the day. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the message, you know, it's like what they're, what they're preaching about. And, uh, like I will often, refer to that as as whomever is is given given the homily that night Got you know? it. it's, it's the it's the good word yeah it's uh, it's the the juice mm-hmm. um but yeah just i don't know it's it's stuff i've always gravitated to towards those those folks that are willing to to bear it all in front of people because i think it's just uh incredibly respectable and and i don't know that vulnerability just an undeniable thing and and uh it's something that i've also just kind of found a lot of comfort in yeah performing doing that thing it's so strange because i think and there's been a lot of talk about this and culturally lately in the last few years but vulnerability you know when you're young or at least for me that that means almost there's a gap in your armor right there's a there's a spot you can be pierced you're vulnerable there um but the weirdest thing about it is that's not actually how it feels for me when I'm up there in it, moving my body to it, just giving it wide open. I think of myself as like a, <laughs> you know, ET with his chest. Yeah. 
like, uh, just, I don't know, light or yeah, it's the glow it's pushing just... something out of you and, and not, not from your voice, just from your whole, you just you stand up straighter, you let it out. And I actually feel very powerful when I'm doing that. Well, I think it's also, um, there's this dude, Rob Bell that I like a lot. And, uh, he's actually like a, uh, kind of like a modern day Christian philosopher, but also, but very, uh, progressive in his thinking and, and, uh, just kind of against the non-duality of thinking of just like, this is the right way and this is the wrong way. But yeah, he did the, he was just doing this whole talk about, uh, how much strength there is in weakness and in, in admitting your weakness. And, and it's kind of like a misconception to pretend that you're strong all the time. And that's where like the real, the real, uh, value or, or just where the money's at is, is just like admitting your weaknesses. And, and that's what's powerful. Like exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Like, I mean, to, there's nothing when you when I when I experience that anyone could come up to me and say whatever the hell they want and it it doesn't I I I've already bared it all. There's nothing there's no way that you can hurt me. There's nothing you can say. There's nothing Okay, great. Take a shot at me. I I don't know. I I've already I, everyone here knows exactly who I am cuz I just showed them. So go ahead. I I think that's part of it. It's almost like it's honesty. It's Nothing to hide. I think when there's something to hi- when you're hiding something, yeah, there's no power there. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's uh, I feel all that for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, the the honesty thing is, like you said, like once you've once you've revealed all that, there's there's not much. You can't get hurt, you really. Can do what could who could hurt you? They could say they don't like it. Okay, well. Yeah, it's kind of it's almost that thing of uh pointing your own flaws out to everybody before they can and, and right. it kind of like removes the power away from exactly that criticizing you for those exactly. things. Exactly. It's just like, Pretty yeah, much. I know I'm a fuck up. Like yeah. I, I got it. No, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I, I I dig that on arm record. I know it's I'm glad it's a it's a few years old now, but I think there's a, there's a lot of great songs on there. I appreciate that, you know, like Terminal Love, which we kicked it off with, and Wild is obviously a great jam. Um, the Death song. Oh, that the is strings a good one. on that. Yeah, like the strings on the whole record are great, but like that that song in particular. And I think everyone loves so much time too, but yeah, Death song is um, that's hard hitting. It's about death, obviously. I just called it death song though, because I, I don't know if I said this at that show that you're at, but um, I would start tearing up before I went to perform it all the time. So I was like, I need to name this something that's going to like kind of make people laugh maybe. Yeah. So I was just like, fine. Just point out the obvious. This is called death song. And then people would laugh and I could kind of start it on a more of a bubbly and I, <laughs> and I wouldn't end up crying. So um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's taking the power from it, you know, like <laughs> yeah. it's, um, but yeah, the self-titled, the unarmed song yeah. is great and uh there's a particular lyric on on that was then um the heart wants what it wants but never what it needs yeah i like that line yeah what what um i don't know if you can take yourself back to that like what what do you what did you mean by by that we all know what that's like right i mean 
that song was written about my at the time fiance maybe maybe it was just a boyfriend i don't know but we'd lived in south korea spain south africa together we'd build lives we had built lives in each of those places together and um anyway we ended up getting divorced once he moved here and that was almost that was a decade-long relationship it was hard but that song was when i thought maybe we were about to break up which we ended up doing later um and yeah you know i'm sure we've all experienced that but he that relationship it was all about want and not need. It was... Sometimes it's not the healthiest and best fit and what's what's really going to help you thrive in this world and it's just this kind of, um, who knows, your past, your your other, your relationships with folks and with, with your parents or with your siblings or who knows what what starts you off on that path toward what love looks like and how it should feel and... Yeah, for sure. Maybe you want it, but it's just not what you need. Yeah, that. Anyway, that it's funny. That's the lyric you like out of all of them because I feel like my lyrics are so. Much, that's kind of trite to me, but okay. I'm no, glad you I, like I'm it. not saying that's like your your yeah. you know most brilliant line. Yeah, no, it's not. I was just I was just uh you know I was I was curious where it came from. Yeah, because I mean a lot of a lot of the shit you have on that record is is pretty heavy and like it is hard hitting and. I don't know if if a lot of those songs were written amidst the time where you felt like that was falling apart. But I mean, it's difficult as fuck to like once your foundation for what you thought something was like it can flip everything upside down. And your it's whole identity. Not that one thing. Mm. And uh, I don't know. I think especially with those those first uh, really deep relationships that can go as far as like a marriage or an engagement or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I think you, I don't know where I feel like we're so uh, misinformed about what a relationship is because or like a romantic relationship is because yes, we we're supposed to like, we think it's like what we see on TV and movies or something, or maybe even like with our own houses sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, uh, just don't think that's, I don't know, when, when, when things get hard initially and like you're just, you just don't understand that, yeah, shit's going to get hard. Like even if you're with the perfect person. Oh, yeah. And it's easy to just oh, yeah. kind of walk away from those things or just like, oh, this isn't, this isn't what this is supposed to be. And she's like, I don't, I don't know what that, what that means. <laughs> but, uh. Well, and we're not we're not taught to love. We're not taught what that means and how to do it and and how to do it without being overly attached and dependent on someone else. We're we're not taught what that is. That's a whole the people who get through whatever programming we go through in the society and their own dysfunctional households and somehow find a way to really love people, right? I mean, that's kudos cuz it's hard to love yourself even, but to love other people, yeah. Yeah, or just, and and just even understand what like what the dynamics of a relationship of those depths needs to be, right? Instead of like what you think it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. yeah. Is uh, you're supposed to just be a huge fan of that person's life, their life, their their separate life, and what who they are and what they bring to this to the people around them and to their careers and what whatever it is that they're trying to do and you're just supposed to pretty much be their biggest fan and whatever you see that you can help them with, help them. And that's how you love them. I mean, it's 
it's really pretty we get so caught up in relationships taking over our whole lives and that's not what they're supposed to be it's our one life the things we're here to do and contribute and hopefully the people that come alongside us and love us through that and yeah so that's how i feel anyway now yeah after having learned a lot <laughs> i think it's yeah it's the it's the never ending learning process yes yes <laughs> yes it is <laughs> it'll Some, never end sometimes i'm sick of learning lessons i'll tell you what <laughs> yes but at least we're still here to learn them and not in a grave somewhere so yeah this is this is very true but yeah, yeah i just i appreciate um the honesty of your, your music and like i said i i can just i can feel the weight of uh the emotions through the tunes and it just seems like you've been through some shit and uh yeah i appreciate you you sharing it through song and whatnot Thank you so much. It yeah. means a lot. Right on. Um, yeah. So yeah, there will there will be new music this year. Yeah. I, like what is, what is I new, promise? What is new? I know we're gonna play it out with an, a newer jam oh, yeah. made up my yeah. mind is yep. is a newer song. Mm-hmm. And um, but yeah, what is what is like your what is your approach these days to the to new songs and like what how is this uh. I don't know, this batch of tunes you're writing now, like how how is it different from the unarmed stuff or like what what is uh what is the perspective of of you now writing right. these jams? Um I would say the style even has changed quite a bit. It's now more on a kind of rocky grunge thing is is coming through. Um I get some 90s vibes out yeah, of your jams, yeah. so, which I like quite a bit. Like yes, it's it's very yeah. uh yeah. It definitely has hits that for me. Yeah. And then there's a bit of dance even. I don't know if you, there's, I have spent a lot of time around electronic music and that's coming through in a couple of the songs, the newer ones too. And um, so it's definitely shifted. There's a lot more anger. I've got to be honest behind what I've done in the past couple of years. Um, Some angst. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of anger. I'm ready for it. I'm stoked to hear it. (laughs) So, I mean, I, I would say I, I, there are a lot of reasons to be angry in the society we live in. But then me personally, I, I um, had a pretty abusive, uh, had a very, had a very abusive um, primary relationship with my mother and was put down a lot. Um, and then I grew up to be put down some more and some other relationships. And then I grew up to be in a vehicle. That's what I call my body and face. Um, your meat body. Yeah. This vehicle that I walk around in has gotten a lot of negative attention. Um, for, I've been assaulted all over the world, like really badly. I've been slapped in the face for no reason by strangers, you know, and then obviously sexually assaulted, touched every which way um, in so many different countries and so many different experiences, All of none of them warranting any of it. I mean, just... Um, I've been underestimated a lot because of the vehicle I'm in and the face I'm in. I, I look young even now, and I did even more so when I was younger. And um, there's a lot of anger at the stuff I haven't been able to get out and the the impact I haven't been able to really make in certain situations because I was cast aside or underestimated. Or And then, of course, the divorce, anger um, at myself, at him, at everything. And... Um, so yeah, there there's a lot of just um, 
I would say the the churning, the drive behind the tunes before was was still emotional, um, but there was a lot more sadness, and now there's just some more, some more anger. And Ready to let some of that shit out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still beautiful. I wouldn't. It's not like punk rock or anything. Not that that's ugly, um, but it's, the pop, the pop sensibilities. The pop's there, still, there. still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The catchy, the catchy yeah, hooks are gonna yeah, be there. Yeah, and your powerful voice is gonna be there. Yeah, yes. Well, I'm stoked to stoked to hear the new tunes. I can't wait to get it to people. And I'm just trying to find the right person to record it. So I hope you, uh, you know, keep grinding it out and and keep finding comfort in your your guitar and your writing and and uh, sharing that in the live sense because it's a it's a powerful thing. So. Uh, Thank you for, uh, thanks for hanging. And you just made sharing. me tear up for a second. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Tears on the program. <laughs> That's what we aim for. That's what we aim for here, oh, Caitlin. Really? Thank really? you. Thank you for uh, having me to your to your place. Oh yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for reminding me. I gotta keep with this. You know, you always you. Thank you for what you're doing for all of us because, you, you know, we keep doing this music thing. You know what it's like. You're a musician. You just keep going, and it's coming from you for some reason. And you've got to hear every once in a while that it's that it's affecting others and that people actually want it. So thank you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it because it's. Uh, I don't know. I think we were both acknowledging that we're a little burnt out, and it's hard to to manage all these things. Yeah. Um, before we got on the mics, and yeah. I don't know. It's like I'm so stoked to have this this chat with you but even even this is like it's like an overwhelming thing like with the the day i've had it's just like oh right fuck man oh my god i gotta go do this (laughs) thing tonight too i gotta go i gotta go talk with a stranger (laughs) yeah but that's also been i don't know the gift of of doing this thing is is putting myself in uncomfortable situations um to like to sit down for an hour and a half or two hours with a stranger and yeah. then like talk to talk with them a little bit about their thing. But also it, it always ends up being a thing that's maybe it's a little daunting or it's a little overwhelming, but now I'm going to like leave here and I'm going to feel very filled up from this conversation. I'm so know? glad. So thank you so much. Thank you. And, uh, we're going to play it out with the, uh, make up my mind song my mind, yeah. off of, uh, from from your rye room session, I so I'll made put the link. Up my mind. I'll put the link so people can check out the video because they're very cool videos. And there's the other one up there. What is the what's the American other? Dream? Yeah, American Dream is up there. I'll put all the links in the uh, episode notes so people awesome. can can find you, find you on the gram and stuff. Yes, you know, and uh, we pl- uh, we end every episode with the guest saying the the tagline for the show, which is "It's a program." So if we could get your it's a program, we can uh, properly sail this thing out. And I know you're going to be stoked to do it because you recognize the uh, the importance of the enunciation the, the program. Uh, program. Yes, you know? yes. So. It is a program, definitely. <laughs> and my great grandma would be proud to hear me say it right. Right on. <laughs> thanks, for, uh, thanks for hanging. And uh, it's made up my mind. Mm-hmm. That's the jam. Yep. That's what we're playing it out with. That's the Jelly Jams, everybody. And uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Portland.
It is a program, definitely.